Guys, I missed you guys. Did you miss me? Okay. <laughs> right answer, right answer. <laughs> but I heard that our spectacular men did an awesome job the last two weeks. Yeah. I heard they were great. Yeah. They're single, ladies. They're single. Danny and Alberto. <laughs> Powerful men teaching the Bible. Isn't that sexy, right? Anyway. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to come back and rejoin the New Beginnings series. And in thinking about New Beginnings, when you think about, because we started this because it's the new year and everybody thinks about what they want that's different this year for 2015, different from what you had maybe in 2014. Even if you had a great 2014, there might be some things that you'd like to do better even, right? It's always stuff that you go reaching for more possibilities. Have you ever, in thinking about having a new beginning, wished that you could start over in life knowing what you know now? Anybody thought, man, I just, I wish I could do it all over, like start from the beginning with what I know now. Boy, wouldn't that be great. You know what? God kind of made that an option, in a manner of speaking, with something called being born again. You guys heard of being born again? How many people heard of being born again? Oh, cool, a lot of you guys. So I'm gonna talk about what that is and also that there's way more power included in being born again, that even if you've heard of being born again, you may not be aware of the power that God's given you in the new birth. So I wanna take a look at a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. It speaks about, there's a few places that um, it speaks about being born again. What is that, being born again? You've been born the first time, right? Your mom and dad, you know what that's like, or you, maybe you don't remember, but, <laughs> but you heard what happened when you got born the first time. So what is this talking about? It says, having been born again, and it says, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So I want to talk about this because corruptible seed, corruptible, you know what that means, doesn't last forever, correct? Corruptible, things decay, etc. So what kind of seed were you born with the first time? Corruptible seed. Your, your father had the seed part, right? So uh, you understand that. All of you grown-ups that have had sex education understand the seed part. So... Anyway, so we're born of seed, and in the seed be contains a lot of our nature. Now, with people, we've got seed where you inherit the nature of both your mom and dad. And then it's talking about the fact that you, it, but you become like your parents, right? You're born, and you get their nature. You've got, you look a little bit like them. You've got some of their personality traits, etc. But this is saying that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of what? Incorruptible. So this is something that goes on forever. It says, and we're going to talk about what this is, that, that, we, when, that we are able to get born again of God's seed, of the spirit and seed of God, and have God's nature within us, that that's possible. That allows, the Bible speaks a lot about the fact that that allows us to have a brand new start for so many things and that there's power. Because if you can imagine having the nature of God inside of you, that just already sounds like some power, doesn't it? You know, having some of God's DNA inside of you, 
the power of the of Holy Spirit. So we're going to be talking about the gift of Holy Spirit, that incorruptible seed, and what all's involved with it, and how powerful that is. Um, it talks about like like uh, well how to receive this Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in Romans chapter 10. You know, it's interesting because the Bible has a few different words for this as far as incorruptible seed, you know, which is the, it gives you the sense of having the nature of God and that it lasts forever. But it also talks about, it's interesting because it also says that God's created in us a new man. It's, it's like a new person. And it says that there's a little battle going on inside of us, which you may have noticed. The battle between the new man, the new nature, and the old man, you know, which is the stuff that is darker, and, and it says the old man that's corrupt and deceitful and full of sin. So in the world, in some of our nature, the darker nature, and then there's a little bit, have you ever noticed a battle inside sometimes between being pulled towards God and being pulled away from God? Some of that battle. So it talks about it as being the new man as well. But I want to talk about how to receive Holy Spirit, how to receive it's it also talks about being born again of incorruptible seed, of being born of Holy Spirit, of being a you become it says a child of God. You when you're born, you become a child. You're a child it says of God. You receive eternal life and it also calls it Christ in you the hope of glory and the new man. So I want to talk about uh, in Romans chapter 9 how it's the how of receiving this, you don't have to do anything to work for it or to deserve it. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came that we could have eternal life, that we could be cleansed from every place that we fall short, that in his life and his sacrifice that it paid for everything, that we can be a child of God. And all you have to do, it says, is believe to receive. And the reason God included the believing to receive is because he honors our free will. That God allows us to choose to have a relationship with him or not have a relationship with him. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or I kind of like it in the King James because it says, thou shalt be saved. I like it that. Because kind of you get the sense of the absoluteness of it. It says that if you confess or declare or profess or just say, Jesus is Lord, that's it. You just claim that you believe that and that you believe God raised him from the dead. In that moment, that he put, God puts his seed in you. You get born again. You have eternal life. You become a child of God. There's no work, and sometimes you get the Holy Spirit, and you don't even know what happened, because guess what? It's invisible. Look around. Can you see it any, in anybody? Look around. There's Holy Spirit here. You see it? It's not very noticeable, is it? People sometimes get born again and not even know it. For me, it was a very big occurrence. You know, some people believe when they're children, you know? They get born again. They go, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you know? But it's, you know, and, and for me, it was a very dramatic, life-changing thing. I was raised an atheist. And so the whole concept to me of receiving Jesus as my Lord was so out there and foreign from everything because I hardened my heart in a big way of saying there is no God. I just saw the pain in the world and just was like, and also the hypocrisy of, of Christians that just seems so judgmental and all that. There's just like I saw that and I felt like, man, I'm just 
too dark of a beast to ever fit in and felt really rejected and judged. But somebody told me this. Somebody told me this verse, Romans 10.9. This girl, Missy Johnson, in my high school. I was in high school. And, um, and she told me this verse. And she was somebody who always wanted to beat me up. She was, pretty, she was actually a pretty scary person. She, um, um, this, uh, well, actually, uh, but I went up to her because I heard that this guy that we knew, George Hackett, got saved, and it seemed like he just changed overnight, and it was such a miracle. So I asked Missy, I said, what is that, getting saved? And she opened the Bible and read me this Romans 10.9, and she said, it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. Jesus gave his life for you right now. And I just started to cry, and I was a hardened person. I never cried as a child. I was like, could not get me to ch cry about anything. And I just started weeping because of the thought. It just never, I just never under like, it was so beyond what I could understand that Jesus loved me. I made fun of Jesus, guys. I spent my life like, I mocked Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, he's a good guy. Wouldn't, I mean, even if you're not a Christian, you gotta kinda think he's a good guy, right? Like, you've read the stories. He's a, you know, good loving person. I made fun of Jesus. And for her to say that there was nothing I had to do to earn it or deserve it, that he loved me and gave his life for me right now, and that it cleansed me from all of my shortcomings, all of my sin, I just, like, it was grace. It's undeserved. All you have to do is to receive it, to say, yes, Lord, I believe. It didn't even make sense to me. This wasn't a logical decision. I was a logical person. Later, I think I turned the story into the fact that I made it a logical decision um, just because I think I needed that. It sounded too foolish to make a decision based on emotion, you know, that I just, it touched my heart that he gave his life for me that I wanted to say yes, you know, and coming from a very analytical background, I'm still a pretty analytical person. So I, later I said, which, you know, there's val validity in this, that I saw my friend George change overnight. It was a miracle, and that that's why I believed. Um, and that's a piece of it, too. But I definitely feel like a lot of it was just driven from hearing that message of love. So that, in that moment, you receive Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk about what you get, because maybe you're already saved, and you're going, so what's the big deal, really? Uh, you know, or eternal life. What if there isn't any? You know, what if, you know, what if you get there and there's no heaven? <laughs> you know, I... I say, according from what I've experienced in the Bible and what's amazing, is that everything in the Bible, I believe that there's heaven and eternal life, but you know what? The stuff in the Bible is so awesome that even if, we, there were, even if we got, you know, even if we died and there was no heaven, I sure had a hell of a time getting there following God. Like, you know, that's how awesome walking with God is. So anyway, um, but I want to talk about some of the power, and Jesus talked about the power that came with the new birth in John chapter 7 and verse 37. There's many, there, uh, it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For guess what? The Holy Spirit was what? Not yet given. So he's speaking about something. There was no Holy Spirit available. When Jesus walked the face of the earth all through the Old Testament, people could not get born again of Holy Spirit. It says it had not been yet given. 
but he's speaking about what was to come. He's prophesying. He says, whoever receives this will never thirst. All throughout time, God said it was his vision because with Adam and Eve, he had a direct connection. They had a direct connection with God. It says that they lost that connection with God. And so people all through the Old Testament could not directly speak and hear from God. It says that when they were in alignment and fellowship with God, that God put his spirit upon them temporarily and they could hear from God. This, what's it speaking about? Because it says that it's the Holy Spirit, the gift that we receive, which now we can do. Now we get to be born again of Holy Spirit. It says, um, if you thirst, come to me and drink. And it says, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. This is something, um, I don't think of anything that is more gratifying or satisfying than having a relationship with God and, and being connected with God. If you've ever tried pursuing any other things in life, whether it's career or even romance or any of those things that are good things, they don't completely satisfy. There is nothing that fills us up. There's just always going to be an empty space in our lives, a longing and a hunger without God and without Jesus Christ. And so the promise, it says, we're going to talk about it, it's also called the promise of the Father, is that he's speaking about the fact that with, with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost, the gift of Holy Spirit, that we would never thirst. That's kind of, doesn't that sound exciting? It does to me, it's exciting. In John chapter 14, another uh, thing that Jesus spoke, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Does anybody think that sounds crazy? You should. <laughs> if you didn't know better, you know, come on. Like, if you, if you didn't know better, Jesus did some, it says, Jesus says, and he's, again, prophes we're going to say, what is he talking about here? It says the works that he did. What are some of the things Jesus did? Raise the dead, heal the sick, right? It says, and lots of miracles. It says the works that Jesus did, you're going to do. Are you doing them? What's he t I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> the works that Jesus did. It says, shall you do, can you do, through, and it's through this power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that. We're going to see in God's word, it's very clear, it's power. That Holy Spirit, you have the power to do the works Jesus did. And it says greater works. You're going to do greater works than Jesus Christ? What is that talking about? There's only, we're going to see, according to the word, there are two things that because of the gift of Holy Spirit, that we're able to do that Jesus couldn't do in his earthly ministry. But if we're not walking this way, there's some stuff to learn about what's available. You know, what in the Seekers Retreat I talk, I talk about, because this is a big thing, there are 900 promises in the word of God to you. And it's kind of like, if you don't know that God's promised them, you can't receive it. It's the same as if, if you had a bank account today with a million dollars in it. And it had your name on it, 
and you did not know that account existed, could you spend the money? You own a million dollars. It's got your name on it. Can you, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, guys. God's given you this incredible gift of power to walk and do the miracles Jesus did. And if you don't know, you can't spend any of the money. Okay, so that's why I want to talk about this today. Let's go to um, Colossians 1 in verse 26. There's way more power than people just really tap into, but we can. In Colossians 1 and verse 26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but has now been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to be known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a few places in the Bible it talks about the fact that the mystery of what's possible when we get born again through all ages was not clear in the Old Testament. The mystery that it would be Christ in us, that we would be born again and have the power of Christ in us, that power of Holy Spirit. Let's go to another one. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6, we're going to talk about this. Uh, more. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, which is, you know, the world, not that kind of stupid, crazy wisdom, uh, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, a hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And look at this in verse 8. It says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. This is saying, it says in the Bible that the rulers of this age are Satan and the demon kingdom. It says in this that if Satan knew that when you got saved, when you got born again, when you received the gift of Holy Spirit, that you'd have Christ in you and the power of Christ and that you'd be able to do the, the works of Jesus, Satan would have not crucified Jesus. You think there might be some power if Satan would have rather had Jesus walking around rather than crucify him? So people, we want to know what this is, don't we? I, I, you know, let, there's just possibilities here that I want to share, that I want to read. It's a big deal. And in Luke 24 and verse 45, more about how Jesus was foretelling of the power of being born again, of receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. To be born again is the same as being saved, as receiving the gift of Holy Spirit, becoming a child of God. In Luke 24, 45, it says, and he opened their understanding, this is Jesus, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And then in verse 49, it says, Behold, I send, and this is important, the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So these are, we're going to be reading some of the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven. Because what happened is Jesus was raised from the dead, as you know, you've heard about that. And then he walked around, it says, for 40 days around and met with people, taught them things, etc. 
And then he ascended into heaven after 40 days, and hundreds of people saw him during his, in his resurrected body. But everything he taught right before he ascended, all the records, everything he taught was about the gift of the Holy Spirit and what was to come. So he's calling this the promise of the Father and that you're going to be endued with power from on high. And nobody knew at the time when Jesus was speaking because right after he ascended, it says, hang out, Terry, hang out in Jerusalem. And it says, and they didn't know how long. For all they knew, you know, he says not long, but they didn't know, is it three weeks, you know, two days, whatever. It was 10 days later on the day of Pentecost that they were endued with power from on high. So we're going to take a look. So promise from the Father is being endued with power uh, from on high, and it also means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at that in Acts chapter 1. This is another one, right, another part of the record right before Jesus ascended into heaven. Acts 1 verse 3. And wouldn't you say that something Jesus said right before he ascended would be important? It would just be like, we should be paying attention to this, you know. Last words, you know, kind of a big deal. Acts, you know, in his earthly ministry. Acts 1 and verse 3, it says, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. That's what I told you. He walked around being seen by them for 40 days and speaking the things pertaining the kingdom of God. See, I already told you that, but I could have just read it. And then um, it's in the word, people. So it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Again, we see it, the promise of the Father, which... He said, you have heard from me. Then it says in verse 5, this is the promise of the Father, guys. It says, for John truly baptized with what? Water. But you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So we see baptism. A lot of times people think of baptism, you think water, right? Anybody that pops in your head, baptism. The word to baptize means to immerse or and to cleanse. So, yeah, of course, that's what we think of when we think of water. But it says in the Bible, and we're going to really look at this because the Bible speaks a lot about this. It says, John, in the water baptism, there's no, there wasn't any power in the water. The water, it says John the Baptist was there to prepare people's hearts for the coming of Jesus. That was his job, to soften people's hearts and prepare them for what was to come. So the water baptism, when he did that, was teaching people hey, you're going to be cleansed. You know, it was just a way of showing them that they would be cleansed from their sin of what was to come. But there was no power in the water. So it says, this is Jesus himself speaking. He says, John baptized with water. That's one kind of baptism. But, and guess what the word but means? Some, but sets in contrast, right? It's a, it's a contrasting word, correct? Grammatically. But sets in contrast what came with what's to come. He says, John, baptized with water, but, 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 you are going to be baptized with Holy Spirit. The real cleansing, guys, is not in the water. The cleansing is in the gift of Holy Spirit that you receive. God's Spirit, that you're born again, that you're heaven-bound, that you're a child of God, that you're forgiven, that you're, yeah, right? Yeah, washed washed clean from all sins. It's in the power of Jesus and receiving him and being born again, having God's nature inside of you. It's power, guys. Amen. We've got, we're going to be like a Baptist church, right? Forgive the pun, but 
I didn't actually mean it. <laughs> it says, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. So we want to look at what is that, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, <laughs> this is so funny, people. He, Jesus is saying, you're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Guess what they ask? It says, um, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> They're thinking government, politics, like small thinking. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they're like, you're the savior. You're going to just change the government, right? Like, <laughs> Jesus talking big stuff anyway. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. And then he comes back to the topic in verse 8. It says, but, there we go, instead of that, you shall receive. And that word receive is the Greek word lumbano. There's two Greek words for the word receive. One's lumbano, which is to receive something into manifestation and do something with it. And another one's dekomai. Dekomai would be like you receive something and put it on the shelf. It says that, it says, Jesus says, but you are going to receive lumbano, manifest, Power and the power is the Greek word dunamis, which means inherent power. When you're going to receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, this is his last words, big deal. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of his sight. So I want to talk about a little bit what this is as far as being there's a whole bunch of things as far as being baptized in mark 16 we're going to see another one again the end the last words of jesus want to pay attention in verse 15 he said to them go into all the world and preach another big thing he said was go share this with other people it says he who believes and is baptized what kind of baptism is he's talking about holy spirit yes he is we see it from the context of everything else. Will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and that just means judged in the final judgment days. And it says, and these things will follow those who believe in my name. So this is the power. It says, now, d let's see if this sounds familiar. In my name, okay, with getting baptized, it says, they will cast out demons. Does that sound familiar? Somebody else you know do that? It says that that's the power. And speak with new tongues, that's the thing that Jesus said is the greater works because Jesus never spoke in tongues. So we're going to talk about what that is too. And it says in verse 18, it says, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any dead thing, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So you see that there's power. This is, these are the things Jesus did, right? Miracles, healing. It says that we will be doing these things. This was not common. People weren't doing that back, you know, I mean, in Jesus' day, it wasn't like the norm that everybody was walking around healing people. And then it says in um, verse 19, so then the Lord had spoken to them and was received up into heaven, etc. Let's go to another one. In, John, in Mark chapter uh, 1, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Just I want to show you the volume of scripture that there is on this. Not the whole volume, but some of it. Mark 1 and verse 18, it says, I, this is John the Baptist speaking, baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? Holy Spirit, kind of recurring, isn't it? Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, John answered, uh, saying to all, indeed, I baptize you 
you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with what? Holy Spirit and fire. Luke 1, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, this is John the Baptist speaking again, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's Jesus, this is he who baptizes with what? Holy Spirit. Then we're going to take a look. This is the next verse I want to read you. This is in the book of Acts. This is the first day of the Christian church. You know how Jesus said, hang out in Jerusalem? and you're going to receive the gift of Holy Spirit. It happened 10 days after he ascended. Pentecost was a day where people from all over the world came to Jerusalem to worship. It was um, a feast kind of celebrating, giving back to God. And uh, so there's people from all over. That was the day that people first received the gift of Holy Spirit. And uh, it says in Acts 2 and verse 38, oh, and what happened is, it says that the disciples all spoke in tongues. There were cloven tongues like a fire, and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then all these people, there are thousands of people around, said, what should we do? What should we do? And so then Peter says, good, good question. That was smart of you to ask that. And Peter says in verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall what? Receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Told you, it's still the whole thing of getting baptized and receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. That, and so thousands got saved that day. Then in Acts 11, in verse 16, it says, oh, this is kind of interesting, because what happens um, is it says that uh, Peter ministered to the Gentiles, and then he was wanting to water baptize them. And then it says, oops, he remembered that the Lord said, John baptized with water, uh, but you'll be baptized. So it says in verse uh, Acts eleven sixteen, it says, Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in the book of Acts, every time somebody got saved, born again, the norm was for them to walk out in speaking in tongues. And so speaking in tongues is a part of what you receive when you receive Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you receive the gift of Holy Spirit, that you're able to manifest. It calls them nine manifestations. And a manifestation means an evidence. It's something like, because we said you can't see spirit. We looked around. We can't see it anywhere. Nine evidences of that invisible gift of Holy Spirit that every believer can do. It says there's speaking in tongues, interpretation, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, miracles, healing, and discerning of spirits. I still held on to the microphone. So, um, so there's nine manifestations. But in some of them, you know, we know like healing, obviously if you just got born again right now, there might not be anybody around to heal, you know. But the thing is, is so every time somebody got saved, they spoke in tongues. And what speaking in tongues is, it's a supernatural ability that God gives you that with, it, with your spirit inside that you can speak a language nobody ever taught you before. And it says that you speak a language either of people, of men, or of angels. It could be a language of somebody that lived. It could be the Elamites, which there aren't any of those around today. But maybe that you could ha God could give you that language to speak. But it's supernatural. It's that you can't do it by your five senses. It's a part of what they did as evidence that something happened, that something changed, that they received supernatural power. And speaking in tongues, we're going to look at what else it says. It says that it's a way to worship God, to praise God, to magnify God. 
It's something that you can do to pray for things when you don't know what to pray for. And a part of what speaking in tongues does is helps you to learn how to hear from God and be connected with God. Anybody want to, like, learn to hear God's voice more? You ever go, oh, I'm not sure if I hear God's voice or not? Part of it is he's given us the gift of Holy Spirit and these manifestations to grow in our faith of being able to hear the voice of God. And so um, I want to read a little bit more about this to you in Pentecost. Oh, you see it in Acts 2 and verse 4. I told you about this verse, but we'll read it. Um, It says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they did what? Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I told you that it's... um, Uh, that it was the norm. Every time in the book of Acts that you read that people got saved, that they believed Jesus is Lord, they received the gift of Holy Spirit, and they evidenced it by speaking in tongues. You can get saved and not speak in tongues. There probably, there might be some people here that got saved, you're born again, and you haven't ever tried that before. Part of it's just because if you haven't been taught that you have that power, it's the same thing with the bank account. If nobody ever told you you could, how could you do it, right? You know? Um, So, In uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, it says, oh, this is an interesting story. One of the things that was kind of shocking when people first uh, became Christians and got born again is that it was all Jews that got saved to begin with. It was all Jews, thousands of them, thousands. And they just thought Gentiles, which is, you know, what I was before I became a Christian. Gentiles, like everybody that's not a Jew kind of thing. It's, it means nations, all other nations, and that's how the Jews looked at all of us that weren't Jews. You know, we're Gentiles. Uh, we're goyim, you know, right? Anyway, so, um, so it says that they thought of people that weren't Jews like they, they, God doesn't have any part with them. They're like scum, you know? So they were shocked to find out that the gift of Holy Spirit was for Gentiles too. It was just so hard for them to go, wow, God loves those Gentiles? They're, like, creepy. So um, uh, so this was a record where Peter was called by God. God told Peter that the Gentiles could also receive Jesus and get saved and to go minister to this guy Cornelius and uh, to lead him into salvation and uh, speaking in tongues. So in Acts 10 and verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, he was just sharing with them, as God told him to about Jesus and how Jesus gave his life and how everybody can believe. It says, as he's speaking these, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, which is the Jews, because as many as came with Peter, because Peter had some other Jews with him, it says, because the gift of Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles also. It says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The reason that they knew that it was real and that the, that the Gentiles got saved is because they spoke in tongues. You know, otherwise it wouldn't have convinced them because they're Jews. They're going, these people are, don't deserve God in their mind. And so they were sitting there going, wow. Like P- Peter's telling them about getting saved and they believe. And, and then they're, they're speaking tongues. They receive salvation and they speak in tongues. And the Jews were sitting there going, it's real. How can they speak a language that nobody taught them? It's supernatural. You know, and so that's what convinced them. Uh, in Acts 19 and verse 3, this is kind of interesting because it's a, a, a record where Apollo doesn't even know about the gift of Holy Spirit. And so um, he's telling people about water baptism and, uh, and 
he just did because he didn't know they didn't have radio and TV and phones and all that so communication was a little slow sometimes on this stuff so in Acts 19 and verse 3 it says uh, and he said to them uh, Paul asked these uh, people he said unto what then were you baptized and he said they said unto John's baptism then Paul said John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul laid hands on him the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied so you see another one so this is just like I just wanted to give you there's so much in the Bible on this but I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of what it's about because and I want to kind of read this list of some of what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. You guys can also, on your connection cards today, you can put that you'd like more information, uh, or like the, I'm sorry, the teaching notes, and we'll email you out the teaching notes. Um, it says some of the things that it says in the Bible as far as the benefits of speaking in tongues. It says, number one, we have proof that you're saved, testifies that you're children of God and joint heirs with Christ. Um, you can be saved and not speak in tongues. You know, it's possible. But the thing that's really cool is it's reassuring. Like when you speak in tongues, it reassures you that you are born again. You know, it's just like, oh, am I born? Has anybody doubted that you're saved? Anybody ever had that? Like, you just go, am I really? I'm so rotten. How could God love me? You know, that kind of thing. It's just like, oh, like, it, I, I don't deserve it. You know what's cool is the whole thing of speaking in tongues. Anytime you speak in tongues, you're like, oh, it's still there. Holy Spirit's still in there. You know, just like, yeah, uh, it's comforting, right? Um, number two, it says it's a sign to unbelievers, which is interesting. I was talking to a guy on a plane, a sweet guy, uh, it was a fun, fun moment, and another atheist, which I love talking to atheists because I so relate. And he's like, oh, I don't believe in God. I don't believe God did anything. And then I told him about speaking in tongues. He'd never heard about it. I go, yeah, it's a supernatural language. And he's like, what? And then I said, well, would you like me to speak in tongues for you? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and then I did. I just spoke in tongues. I was like, he's like, oh. He looked at me like, he goes, what? He goes, that's not something you learned? I go, no, it's a gift of God. Like, I can do it whenever. You're always in control when you speak in tongues. I know sometimes people have seen, has anybody ever seen the stuff where people have been taught speaking tongues and they're like thrown around and acting like, dogs or something. I don't know. Uh, the Bible says, the Bible says that you are always in control. God always gives us free will. So I know that that's sometimes, I don't know if you've, if you haven't heard a lot about it and that's all that you've heard, then, it, you know, I get where people can think that it's a little bit bizarre. But God always says, it says right in Corinthians where it talks about speaking in tongues. It says that that, this, that you're in control. That It says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. It also says, let everything be done decently and in order. Um, it says in ver, uh, the third one, it says in Acts 2.11, it says that when you speak in tongues, you speak the wonderful works of God. And what it is, is it's kind of like perfect praise. You ever read Psalms, the book of Psalms? It's beautiful, isn't it? Or the book at uh, Psalms. It's not really a book of Psalms, but Psalms. It's beautiful praise. Does that inspire you? When you read those words, speaking in tongues is like that. You know, it's because if you look at Psalms, it's a prayer, but it's not just any old prayer like, God, uh, can you help me with work today? And, you know, it's like 
it's an inspired prayer, it's Psalms. And so speaking in tongues, it's also speaking the wonderful works of God. It also says magnifying God, which is also similar to Psalms. It's perfect prayer and says that it makes intercession. You ever had a friend or even yourself sometimes, like when I don't know what to pray for, have you ever had like, wow, I just feel needy and I don't even know what to pray for right now for yourself or somebody else? Sometimes you feel for somebody and you go, wow, they need help. I just don't even know what to pray for. Speaking in tongues says it makes intercession for us, for other people. It's a thing that we can do to pray for somebody when we don't know what to ask for. Um, there's another one It says it's speaking divine secrets to God in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 14, 2. It says it edifies you, which is builds you up. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 16, it's praising God. And in verse 17, it says it's giving thanks. Well, it's, it's giving thanks. So those are some of the wonderful things about speaking in tongues, which is a part of the gift of Holy Spirit that God's given us. So one of the reasons that um, next week we're going to do a Holy Spirit baptism ceremony. And we're going to invite, it's, it, you know, it's, it's going to be after the service next week. We're going to have our regular service just as usual. But afterwards, we're going to set up an opportunity for anybody that would like to, to be able to get, to celebrate and go public with their faith, which is a powerful thing. Um, we are going to include water in the ceremony. And the reason why uh, is because of the fact that a lot of times it blesses people. There's not harm in the water. Part of it's just understanding that the power is not in the water. The water doesn't save you. The water doesn't cleanse you from your sin. But sometimes it's a blessing to people because Jesus got baptized and it's a part of a symbol that just helps you to connect with that. So we're going to, as a part of the ceremony next week, we are going to have um, immersion in water. But we want to always, because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, we never want to diminish that or make that less. Afterwards, we're going to celebrate with having people come up and speak in tongues. If you have not ever spoken in tongues before and you would like to, um, we're going to have an orientation today. I mean, that you can ask questions, etc. I'm actually happy to meet with anybody this week. If you guys want to meet one-on-one, -on -one, I'll be happy to help you speak in tongues. Other people in our leadership team will be as well. Because uh, we want it to be something really comfortable for you to do so, so that you can like celebrate and get comfortable with speaking tongues in case you're nervous or anything like that. Build up your confidence a little bit before the ceremony. Uh, but just after the service today, we'll have a time. I'm going to meet with everybody in the little, um, uh, whatever that is, sitting area out there just to answer questions and talk a little bit about what it is. Because we want to celebrate this. You know, God's given us his gift of Holy Spirit. It's power that you could do the works of Jesus and greater works than those. And I know it takes time and you grow in faith. It's not going to happen overnight. You're probably not going to tomorrow go heal the dead or, you know, raise the dead. And that's understandable. Part of how faith works is we grow in faith. It's one step at a time. But you walk out in faith and God's there for you and you go, oh, God was there for me. So it allows you to step out in faith a little bit more and a little bit more. And you grow to really trust God and to trust his power and his goodness. And it's a walk. But let's shoot for walking in faith. What do you say? You know, like, even if we're not there for raising the dead yet, let's take some steps, right, to grow towards that. I have experienced miraculous healing. I have laid hands on people and seen them instantly healed, miraculously healed. I've seen the blind receive their sight. You know, 
My husband Adam has seen and done and laid hands and done miraculous healings. I have seen, I can't even count them, but I am sure it's been beyond a hundred miracles of instant healings. I believe in the power of healing. And that's just one of what we're able to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it takes growing in faith. It takes stepping out in faith. It's not like a, you know, instant thing. And so part of learning to grow in faith is doing something like, for some of you that have not spoken in tongues yet, maybe that's a step. And it takes, takes some time of just going, okay, I've never done this before. So it takes trusting God, right? It takes going, I'll give it a try. I want to learn to walk in faith. I want to have more power. I want to be connected to the gift of the Holy Spirit and what God's given me and to grow in that and to grow to realize your connection and to hear the voice of God more. So that's why we're making this available and I want to make some time because how about for this next new year, 2015, to have a vision of yourself of walking bigger with God and your connection with God. How's that sound for 2015? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And I want you to just, and um, I'll be thinking about this uh, too. And if anybody has not received Jesus as your Lord, you know, and Savior, we can pray for that too. You know, I'm blessed to pray for you with that as far as receiving Christ as your Lord and receiving the gift of Holy Spirit just to begin this journey. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love and your goodness, um, for your incredible grace, Jesus. The fact that you gave your life and your all for us when we were all undeserving is amazing. I love that we can connect with your love, that we can experience it, that we can know that we know that we know that we're born again, that we're saved. So even in the moments that we feel the least deserving, we know that we still belong to you, that we belong as children of God, that God, you are our father, and that you have given us your nature. Help us to walk more like the new man that's fashioned after you, Lord, uh, and to walk in your steps and walk in your faith. Uh, so I pray for these things and for it to be a really special time in the orientation that we're going to do after the service today and especially for next week as we celebrate you and your amazing gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen.